Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, you guys, let's just jump right in. So I am sincerely sorry for the fact that there was no podcast episode last week. You can probably hear it in my voice. I am getting over being sick. And the funny thing is, it's not as though I had just like a damaged voice or like kind of lost my voice. Last week, I straight up could not make a noise. Like I would open my mouth and it'd be like, ah. so talking for an hour, running this mouth was just not an option. But that's also so frustrating because I talk for a living. So I was going through it last week that I couldn't talk to you guys. So trust me when I say it, I have a lot to fucking say this week, um, despite the fact that you can still hear it in my voice that I'm sick. Uh, listen, today I'm going to have to be a little bit on the defense because Media Matters <laughs> decided to run a disgusting article, including yours truly, this morning. And um, I'm going to try not to swear a lot in this episode. I'm angry. <laughs> okay. Not swearing is going to be difficult, but YouTube doesn't like it when I swear. So trying to be good. Anti-LGBTQ hate has increased on Twitter since Elon Musk officially acquired the company. And they have this graphic, including all of these anti-LGBTQ accounts that are supposedly growing under Elon or whatever. And yours truly is on this list sandwiched between Babylon B and Ali Beth Stuckey. I'm not sure who that is, but Babylon B is like a satire website. So listen, they have Gays Against Groomers on there, Tim Poole, uh, Jack Posobiec, Jake Shields, all my friends. <laughs> this is officially the cool kid list, but I will say like the fact that a trans person, me, Gays Against Groomers, a group of LGBT people, and I say LGBT because they have people from every acronym part of the um, organization. Uh, Andy No was on there, he's gay. You know, it's like, Media Matters is a joke of a publication. We've known that for a long time, right? But the problem is you have a situation where, and I'm gonna pull up the author of this publication, Kayla Gogarty says, Kayla is a deputy research director at Media Matters, where she has worked since September of 2018. She holds a master's degree in chemistry research from Stony Brook University and has a background in LGBTQ media and advocacy. Now, listen, Miss Gogarty, I don't know your story other than, than this. Uh, your work has amassed you since 2018, working for Media Matters, a total of 800 Twitter followers, which is about... Um, a fraction of what my dog's account has that I haven't posted on since I think 2018. Um, and it's not about like 
making fun of someone for not having followers because frankly, I like people who don't have social media more. But it's just the fact that Miss Kayla Gogarty has the the nerve, the absolute nerve, the balls, the cojones, if you will, to sit up calling a trans woman anti-LGBT simply because she doesn't agree with the way that I advocate for my effing community. I wish I could swear in this, I swear to God. Probably better I can't actually. You know, and gays against groomers. I'm sorry, is being anti-groomer, anti-pedophilia? In what world is that anti-LGBT? And is what way for me advocating for my own experience as a trans person? and an experience that was valid up until a few years ago, when it comes to the trans issue, how is that being anti-LGBT? And Kayla, I don't know if you are LGBT yourself. It seems like you have a background in LGBTQ like advocacy. Doesn't say what you are. Are you a lesbian? Are you bisexual? I mean, doesn't look like you're trans. You're not a gay man. I don't know what you are. Um, and I know that people get kind of like annoyed when like lefty trans people say that like, you know, cis people don't have an opinion or straight people don't have an opinion. I'm gonna relate to the lefties in this sense. I don't have any respect for straight, non-trans left E people who are gonna sit up and call me anti-trans because I'm talking about my own experience as a trans person and advocating for my community in the way I see fit. I don't care if you disagree with it or agree with it. The fact that you have, you can fix your mouth to call me anti-trans or anti-LGBT simply because I'm going about it in a way that doesn't necessarily look like how you're used to seeing it, I don't care. I have dedicated my life, literally, my entire career, even though I talk about things other than trans issues, the bulk of my career and the bulk of what I spend my time doing is advocating for rationalization in the trans community to improve the standing and the perception of trans people in the eyes of the world for which it is absolute it's bad the way that the world views the trans community. I've dedicated my life to trying to fix that. I don't care if you and I see eye to eye on how I'm doing it or how you're doing it. But I don't sit and call you anti-LGBT because you advocate in a way I don't personally agree with. I'm sure you're very pro-LGBT in your own way, but guess what? So am I. So am I, Miss Kayla Gogarty, who's been at Media Matters since 2018 and has 800 followers. I don't care it, like if it makes me sound stuck up. I don't care if it makes me sound big-headed or self-absorbed or self-interested. I know for a fact I'm making a positive impact in the world when it comes to the ways in which I advocate for trans people because I get nothing but emails and DMs saying so every day on a hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute basis. I'm getting messages from people, straight people, non-trans people, people living in deep red areas of the country who say, I never got the trans thing until I watched your content. And I'm sitting up here being called anti-LGBT by the Kayla Gogarty's of the world. By media matters. Gays against groomers whose sole mission is just to like defeat pedophilia has to get called anti-LGBT despite being made up of solely LGBT people. It's just disgusting. And guess what? It's not as if Kayla has this huge reach that I'm like, oh my God, being freaked out. It's the fact that we have a system now where the what is written on media matters is pushed to the top of the algorithm when you Google everyone's names that's on this list in Google because Google's biased as well. So this becomes the narrative. Blair White being anti-LGBT becomes the narrative because 
random basics named Kayla Gogarty writes so on Media Matters. And it's disgusting. Media Matters is not credible. Media Matters is a joke, but they're gonna get pushed to the top of the algorithm on Google when you Google any of our names now because of this. So Kayla, you should be ashamed of yourself for that. I, I, I truly believe you should be ashamed of yourself for this. If you can't understand that LGBT people are not a monolith, and granted, I'm not gonna get up caught up in defending each and every person on this list because I don't even know every person on this list. Maybe one of them is anti-trans, anti-LGBT, whatever. I don't know. I know Tim Pool isn't. I know gay, Gays Against Groomer isn't. I know Andy knows gay himself. So I'm not gonna get caught up in defending each individual person. But when it comes to like, the LGBT community is not a monolith. And just because you don't keep up or agree with every single sentiment the community comes up with, for which that's constantly evolving every five minutes, the fact that you have to get called hateful for it or anti-LGBT because of it, that's how I feel about that. Try not to swear, so I'm just gonna do this. Done with this. Done with the Kayla Gogreeds of the world. These busybody simpleton basics who have the nerve to even write stuff like that. Like, it's just disgusting. And I'm so glad I have this podcast now because on my main channel, I would never get caught up in like making some dedicated video to some like, just like idiot writing this in an article, right? But I have time today and I have time on the podcast now. It's an hour show. Done with the Kayla Gogarty's of the world. Done with you. My God. We're gonna jump right into um, reacting to woke TikToks in this episode because I feel bad that I didn't have an episode last week. I know this is y'all's like favorite segment of the show. So let's just, let's just go. Um, here is an intro, let's just, let's just play it. Let's just play it. Hi friends. For those of you who don't know, I am Zero and I have a six-year-old transgender daughter that we called Bug and she is awesome. Her father has filed for a modification of custody on the grounds that he says I'm making her be transgender. And that's really all I can say about that at this point. I'm not talking specifics about the litigation. I think it's okay to say that we've got court this week, though, and I would really, really appreciate any good vibes, prayers, or whatever your jam is, uh, luck, and gotta protect the kid, right? If you would like more details or maybe to help out with lawyer fees, uh, there's a GoFundMe in my bio. Of course there is. Listen, I am just so sure that the woman with crazy bulging eyes and rainbow glasses who calls their kid bug isn't actually pushing it on their kid. <laughs> like one of the things that I really hate about this topic is you're expected to not believe what your eyes and ears just show you. Like this woman whose entire personality is so engulfed with LGBT stuff that she is wearing rainbow glasses who just so happens to have a transgender six-year-old who she calls Bug and whose dad is claiming that she's making them be trans. Yeah, I'm sure you're the correct one in the situation. Jesus Christ. Like, the amount of people that would have ended up trans that are just gays and lesbians that I know in my life, if they had a parent like this, who gets all close up in the camera and her eyes are like this, who, like this woman is insane. And I feel so bad for the child. Like I'll even say this, even if this child genuinely 
like ends up being like a trans adult who's happy and turns into like a Buck Angel or a Blair White or name any other trans person who's content in their transition, even if that's the case, good luck with this as a mother in every other kind of context. Like, holy crap. Like, you can just see the insanity and I don't care. I'm not gonna pretend like you can't. <laughs> like, what? My God. I have a six-year-old trans kid named Bug. And the, but the dad's the one in the wrong, sure. Good luck to the kid. I feel very, I feel genuinely bad. I'm not making a joke out of that. I genuinely feel bad. Next one. Biological sex is fake. <laughs> yes, we all know that gender roles are fake, but do not say to a trans person, biologically male, born female, male-bodied. No, 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 no. There is no biological criteria for gender that is both universal and a binary in human beings. I am not advocating for self-medication, but I am advocating for myself to take something to cope with what this just did to my brain listening to it. Listen, <laughs> this person's crazy. This person, I've seen TikToks all over the place. It's like, this person is deeply unwell. Sure, biological sex is fake just because you don't like it. Sure. Now what? Like, let's just say we let them have that. Let's just, let's just say we let them have that. Now what? And also, if biological sex isn't real, then what is the argument for anyone transitioning? Can we just talk about how like, I know that a lot of the times when we get caught up in like trans activism and like the negative aspects of it, the focus is always like how it negatively impacts like women and children. And y'all know I'm the first person to speak up on that. Can we just set that aside for one second? Just talk about how this negatively impacts trans people. Cause if that's what these people need to hear to understand the harm they're doing and how wrong they are, if we need to just focus on trans people for them to take, to listen, let's do that for a second. So let's just pretend like this ideology doesn't harm women or children. We'll set it aside. Let's just talk about how it harms trans people. There is no reason why I would have transitioned if biological sex was fake. I have gender dysphoria because biological sex is not only very real, it is it is not changeable, period. I don't care how many surgeries I have. I don't care what hormones I'm taking. Like I am biologically male, I will die that way. I was born that way. The fact that I'm supposed to see that as a negative thing, first of all, is beyond me. It's like saying that it's a negative thing that the sky is blue. Why? You could hate the color blue with everything inside you and there's still no rationalization that the sky being blue is a negative or bad thing. Now, for this person, Jeffrey Marsh, to say that there is no aspect of biological sex that is universal, it doesn't have to be. Intersex people can exist for this to all still be, doesn't matter how you feel about it. You can say the sky is blue and someone can argue, well, it's not universally blue. Yes, there are times when the sun is setting and it appears to be orange. Yes, there's times of day where it is dark and not blue. Yes, it doesn't change the fact that saying the sky is blue is not an untrue statement. Jeffrey Marsh, you need to hang it up, baby girl. 
You need to hang it up. These types of people want to talk about who's encouraging anti-LGBT hate. Media Matters just ran an article accusing me of stoking the flames of anti-LGBT hate and this person isn't? This person who is speaking for anti for speaking for LGBT people, making them look like flat earthers, like science denying dummies, that's not causing any hates. I need, I need something. I don't know what's happening. Like Jeffrey, all the worst people seem to be named Jeffrey. I can't do it. Jeffrey Epstein, Jeffrey Star, Jeffrey Mark. Like let's. Let's get together with the Jeffreys. Do not name your kid Jeffrey. They're going to end up wearing some kind of crazy eyeshadow on camera talking about biological sex is not real. Listen, these people do not understand and they should statistically, right? Because LGBT acceptance has been on decline for years now. Funnily enough, coinciding with the rise of this crap. Because let's, let's be very clear. This non-binary for which go ahead and look up the term non-binary on Google and you can see that it was literally a phrase that wasn't even being used before 2014, 2015. Gay marriage was legalized in either 2013 or 2014. Correct me if I'm wrong. And that, let's Google it. When was gay marriage legalized in the US? 2015, okay, I was wrong, 2015. It was literally directly after gay marriage was legalized that this non-binary craze started, that this science-denying craze started, that this just rabid like change from requesting acceptance stopped and it started demanding submission. That was the change, right? We went from requesting submission to demanding submission, requesting acceptance to demanding submission. My apologies. That is literally the time when acceptance statistically started going like this. Your way isn't working, Jeffrey Marshes of the world. It's doing nothing but harming us. And then I'm supposed to sit here and just take these hit pieces being written on people like me and just be like, I'm, I'm supposed to really rethink my positions when I'm doing the opposite of these people who are directly responsible for acceptance declining. Maybe it's time to hang it up. Maybe it's time to give people who disagree with you a chance because what y'all are doing is not working. And, and it's disgusting. I mean, let's move on. Next woke TikTok. <laughs> all right, professor at UC San Diego says she automatically gives all students A's because she wants to decolonize her classroom. Grading is now a form of colonization. It doesn't stop and I'm going crazy. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Dr. Purity here, and I'm going to talk to you a bit about how to decolonize a classroom and how I decolonize my teaching. So first things first, we do not grade over here, okay? Anyone who takes my class automatically gets an A. They're told in the first week that they're going to get an A. The only thing that's required is attendance. And I have weeks of um, excused absences built in so that if people are sick or they have family obligations, it won't affect their grade. So since I'm not grading them, I'm just giving them A's. Like, how do I know that they're doing anything? And how do I know that um, they're learning anything? Uh, and so I also don't give homework. <laughs> surprise, surprise. 
uh, and I run a discussion style classroom. So um, my students and I have equal part when it comes to bringing information to the table. Um, we all sit together and share what we're talking about uh, and they get to use their critical thinking skills to apply the things they've learned in all their other classes. I like how she didn't even say, she was like, so how do I know they're actually doing work? And she didn't even say. <laughs> I don't wanna be that right winger who goes on some like college is a joke <laughs> rant because I just don't know if I'm quite there, right? However, to pretend that it's not bordering on a joke at this point, let's just be real. Like the idea that you're supposed to, great example, we'll go back to Kayla Gogarty. <laughs> Kayla Gogarty, who has a degree in chemistry research, who's dumb enough to call a trans woman anti-LGBT. Why am I supposed to believe in 2022 that people with degrees are more intelligent, more capable, or more successful in life than people who aren't? When everyone around me is an example of the opposite. <laughs> like, I'm at the point where I'm genuinely seeing like people be substantially dumber if they also happen to have a degree. Like going through college is a nightmare. The reason I started my YouTube channel is because I was in college and seeing how all the professors and all the students around me were literally so rabid and insane that I had the inherent knowledge just from being around them that I could not speak my mind on any issues in a free thought way. So I started a YouTube channel and thank God I did. I'm here with y'all now, love y'all. However, it's like, Really, no grades, no homework, no. And I'm supposed to believe that people who come out of her class end up more intelligent because of it. Girl, you need to figure out how to decolonize your brain because something's wrong, period. Like something is wrong. All right, the New York Post, latest Twitter files reveal secret suppression of right-wing commentators. I am late talking with the Twitter files because I wasn't able to do a podcast last week, which sucks because there's so much to talk about here. But we're just going to focus on the Twitter files that was released via Elon and via uh, Barry Weiss, revealing the censorship that was taking place for or against rather conservatives on Twitter. Now, at this point, what are conspiracy theorists batting? What, like 200 and 0? Like, I don't understand. Like, the gaslighting that has taken place for years on Twitter about how there's not really any censorship on Twitter. It's conservatives being babies. It's just conservative ideas being unpopular. It's all in their head. They're complaint. And then Elon just drops that. No, there 100% was mechanisms in place. They, he even specifically said Charlie Kirk was among them. Elizabeth TikTok was among them. Like, they showed that there were literally badges and lists that they would attribute to different um, commentators saying that this person is search banned, this person is banned from trending, this person's um, reach is minimized. They were literally throttling really every major right-wing account. Which by the way is really crazy that there was still like, it's not as if they stopped the careers of these people, which just goes to show like these ideas when they are not being throttled and met with censorship are actually popular ideas. And it really says something about leftist ideas that they can only survive in, first of all, an echo chamber. And second of all, amongst massive censorship and throttling. Like, that's what I don't understand. 
What do you think it says about your ideas that they can only exist in areas where anything to the contrary is banned? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I would not feel very confident about my ideas if I was on a website where leftists were getting banned left and right, where like a tweet that could have gotten 100,000 likes got 20,000 because it was being throttled, like of ideas to the contrary of mine. Like, are are y'all okay? Like, is there any explanation? I haven't seen any leftists even really talking about this, which is amazing. I mean, it's really, you know, in the Twitter files, they also released how the FBI colluded with Twitter to get Trump banned despite not actually violating any rules. And it really is amazing now that Trump is not, is like unbanned from Twitter. It's like one of the things that you can see on Trump's account is that his like second or third most recent tweet was like, please don't be violent. And he was banned for apparently inciting violence. It's like, this is the problem. If we don't have a level playing field in discourse, how can we even heal as a country? We are in such a broken place right now as a nation, as a people. Mankind is, just feels so broken. And it's like, I'm so glad that Elon has bought Twitter. Not everything he's done, I agree with. I think he's really like kind of turned the blue check thing into a little bit of a joke. And like, I don't know, I think there's value in as someone who's a public person. And I know people who are not public figures are gonna get triggered by this. It's like, there is something to say about a blue check being next to Blair White's account and not like accounts that are pretending to be Blair White. You know what I mean? It's like not everyone should have a blue check period just because you pay for it. It's like, so what? Someone can make an account tomorrow that looks exactly like my account, pays for a blue check, gets a blue check and can tweet a bunch of shit. It's like, granted, Media Matters is going to run a hit piece on me regardless if it's real or not. But you know what I mean? It's like, I don't agree with everything Elon's done. That's the long short of that little mini rant. However, no one has done more for free speech and for transparency than Elon. Like Elon has done more for free speech than anyone in the GOP in the last decade, which is actually pretty sad. You know, we had a Republican White House. We had Republican every branch of government in the beginning when, when Trump came in and nothing was done, which was a huge failure on Trump's part. I mean, the fact that Elon comes in and does more in just a few months for it than, than Trump did, it's kind of like, that's a massive L for Trump among other things. I mean, giving the presidency over to effing Fauci for the last year of his presidency was a huge flop. It's like, I don't wanna get into like why I'm annoyed with Trump because we're just gonna be on that forever. But the fact is, I'm very grateful that Elon is being so transparent. One of the other things he's really revealed is that there was a point where Twitter was literally not just neglecting the CP problem on the platform, but actively refusing to take it down, actively refusing to ban accounts that were posting it and partaking in that behavior. And then had the nerve to ban the word groomer while actively refusing to take down CP. I mean, it doesn't get much more devious than that. Like, I don't know. A lot of people are mad about 
Elon owning Twitter, don't really see a lot of rational arguments why it is what it is. All right, you guys. This one's going to be a lot. Just hear me out and stick with me because everyone gets very emotional about this story. Casey Anthony's not guilty verdict shocked America. A new documentary says we got it all wrong. Now, I watched the three-part Peacock documentary, or it's like a, a docu-series on Casey Anthony. Now, unless you live under a rock, you know exactly what Casey Anthony was accused of, which was murdering her toddler. She got off. She did not go to prison for it. She was found not guilty. Very controversial verdict. It was the, it was the OJ of my generation, right? Now, I watched a three-part documentary and I am far from convinced, first of all, I'll just say it, everyone's freaking out, getting ready to get mad. I am not convinced that Casey Anthony is innocent. That was the goal of the documentary. In my mind, not the case. I think that Casey was absolutely guilty and participated in the death of Kaylee Anthony. However, I do think also that the documentary did a great job of bringing facts to light that I think a lot of people weren't aware of. It is my opinion after watching the documentary that the dad had more to do with it than previously thought or assumed. I think the dad is incredibly creepy. I think that it was a joint effort that multiple people took part in the death of Kaylee Anthony, this poor sweet girl. And I think the dad is guilty in part as well. Again, I'll say it. I think Casey Anthony is guilty, but I also think the dad is. And people get very emotional and very upset when you say that. And it's like, I understand it's a very emotional case, but I don't think that just because Casey Anthony is a demon doesn't mean the dad isn't. Like there's a lot of stuff to consider. The fact that the dad was a retired cop and you know they were interviewing like the cops who were working on the case. And it's like, the cops had like, no reason why they just blindly believed everything the dad was saying. Other than like, he just seemed like a trustworthy guy. They never ran the dad's uh, phone records, but they ran everyone else's phone records. Like, I think the dad had more to do with it than people think. Do I think Casey Anthony should have got off? Like not guilty? No. But I think that the dad was not looked into enough and there was a lot of really shady things that went on with the dad. That's all I'm saying. I think it, I, I highly suggest people watch it. People are very upset. It's a controversial, you know, thing or whatever. But unpopular opinion here. I don't think that, you know, I we live in America. Casey Anthony, even though in my heart of hearts, I believe that she killed her kid or at least took part in killing the kid. She got off. She was found not guilty by court. I think she has every right to tell her story. You have every right to, you know, speculate that it's bullshit, to insist that it's bullshit, to hate her. But I'm sorry, in this country, if you are found not guilty, you have a right to talk. So the fact that, you know, everyone's like, that she should have never gotten a chance to speak. I think she definitely ha should have got gotten the chance to speak. I think if for no other reason, it's going to show like, sunlight is the best disinfectant. It's the same thing with the Kanye stuff. Let Kanye talk. So you can see what a moron he is. You can see how anti-Semitic he is. Let Casey Anthony talk so you can further believe that she did it. Because at the end of the day, she got off. And this is America. This is a free country. She can talk. Um, 
I think that th there were certain like seedy parts of the documentary. I think it was tacky in certain ways, but I do think it revealed information that people weren't really knowledgeable of. And I see people admitting that. I see people being like, yeah, she's still a piece of S H I T, but she, I, but the dad is creepier than we thought. That's all I'm saying. I don't think that she's innocent, but I don't think the dad is either. That's all I'm saying. Watch it. I think it was interesting to say the least, you know, let's just go there. Um, all right, I wanna react to a video. This is a conservative, transgender, and transsexual walk into a studio. Now, this is a debate between one of my favorite people, Buck Angel, and um, a trans woman named Blossom, who you may recognize her, um, Casey Anthony, Caitlyn Jenner, I just said Casey Anthony. Caitlyn Jenner gave this trans woman a free ride um, through medical school paid for her to go to medical school, put her on um, Ellen DeGeneres. And of course, um, because trans activists are usually the most demented people you can find, she has no um, appreciation for that. She bashes Caitlyn to this day because Caitlyn is white and privileged and has money and disagrees with her. So that's a reason to bash someone who gave you a free ride through school. But anyways, this is a very interesting debate. It's a long debate. We're just gonna react to the part of it where they're debating is gender dysphoria a mental illness. I'll have my thoughts. I'm sure y'all will too. Let's get into it. One is a, a really hot button one and it's one that many differ on and here's the statement. Gender dysphoria is a mental illness. Now either of you can hop in and give me your initial uh, beliefs on this. I, I, I agree. I, I, I would say more of a mental disorder okay. than a mental illness. I do have a mental disorder. I do uh, have had a diagnosis 30 years ago of what we call gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. And my dysphoria is a disorder. And only way that I could actually fix on some level my disorder was to uh, understand that that disorder means that I don't necessarily see myself in the way I want the world to see me. So mm -hmm. being born, I'm, I'm a biological female, born biologically female, and I wanted to live and be a man. And that was where my dysphoria laid. Mm -hmm. So my dysphoria needed to be sort of checked by a, by a professional therapist. And I went to two years of therapy who diagnosed me as somebody who had gender dysphoria. And from there I went on to take hormones and do surgery. And now I present to the world as a male. Sure. And so for me, that's where I lay. It, lie and, and the fact that I have a mental disorder that I sort of fixed for mm -hmm. lack of a better word. So very important here. I feel the same way Buck does. Uh, there is nothing that could convince me that gender dysphoria is not a mental disorder. I mean, I don't care how many activists, you know, take hold of the institutions that are, you know, classify these things. I don't care what the DSM changed two years ago, three years ago. I don't care. If we're gonna sit here and believe that depression, which for some people, you know, it, it's it, depression, social anxiety, you know, autism, like all these things are mental disorders, but being distressed with your sex, your biological sex has nothing to do with like how being a mental disorder. Like, are you kidding? We're gonna classify social anxiety as a disorder, but not gender dysphoria simply so we don't hurt people's feelings. I'm sorry, I would rather work from the back to the front, working on the stigma against mental disorders rather than just be so scared to classify something than what it is for fear of hurting people's feelings. Also, like, how are you gonna argue that these surgeries and these treatments should be covered by insurance if you're not gonna admit that there's some sort of mental disorder attached to it? It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Like, 
I don't personally see a stigma against mental disorders. People suffer with them. People get over them. People get help for them. In some ways, they make certain people a more well-rounded individual. I know that sounds crazy, but like it adds to their personality. It just is who they are. Like, I absolutely believe that gender dysphoria is a mental disorder. Like, so it's something that exists in your brain that brings you distress <laughs> mentally, but it's not a mental... People really blow me. Like, I just can't. Curious to hear. So you identify as transsexual and, yes. and that's how you're introduced, which is very, obviously very different from transgender. Yes. Can you explain that background so that people at home know what you mean mm -hmm. by that? Sure. Great. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So today we have what's called transgender and we have also transsexual. Transsexual mm -hmm. has been sort of pushed out of the narrative in, in the trans space. Yeah. And I think because people call it antiquated, old, some people feel it's on, on some level like a, a derogatory statement. I disagree. Mm -hmm. For me, a transsexual person is somebody who does live in the binary, who wants to be either male or female, who understands that they have a disorder called called gender dysphoria and want to just move forward in the world and live as men and women. We use surgery, we use hormones, we use all of those things in order to medicate ourselves, hmm. in order to present, it's real basic. We present yeah. to the world as men and women. And we also all understand, transsexual people understand the diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Where now I believe transgender is now an umbrella term that encompasses many, many, many different I identity choices. Even it could be somebody who has had a tr transition like myself, right. but calls themselves transgender. But I think transsexual is very specific to a mental disorder, to transitioning through the medical space mm -hmm. and wanting to live in the world as a binary sort of person. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And you, you still... So I really have lately been working on saying transsexual inside of transgender because Buck is absolutely correct. And I love Buck. Y'all know Buck has been a guest on this podcast, still a favorite of, you know, for you guys of the guests that have been on the podcast. And, you know, I love how he lays it out so cleanly. Honestly, I feel like he's like a more well-spoken version of myself because I just get so mad when I talk about this stuff, I just start popping off. Whereas Buck is a little older, he's more reserved. He knows how to say things in a way that communicate. I just be popping off. Um, so yeah, I, I try to say transsexual as well because transgender is 100% an activist term and it does really erase all the work that transsexuals put for decades and decades to be taken seriously. Um, I agree. It does, and you, you still acknowledge in, in all the work that you do, I am biologically female. Yes. I just present as a male. So That's we're right. really taking on the social construction of, of gender and saying, right. I just want to be perceived as male. A hundred percent. Okay, got that. Okay, and Blossom, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about gender dysphoria being a, a medical disorder? Is that yeah. something that you subscribe yourself to? Yeah, a couple of things here. Yeah. Question, are you a Gen Xer? I am a boomer. A boomer. I'm okay. 60 years old. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And so I'm a millennial, so okay. let me name, first of all, that we're in two different generations. That's okay? right. Yes. So the terminology is going to be a lot different. It's going to be very mutable um, because as things progress, as gender identity um, and sexual orientation, all these different things progress, the language and the, um, the vocabulary is going to progress. Do I think gender... So leftists are obsessed with the concept of progression at all costs, as if all progression is good, right? It's like, so right off the bat, you're appealing to like, you're just old and you don't get it, but it's like, maybe you're young and you don't get it. Is that, is that remotely possible? Like I, just putting it out there, not all progression is good. The sake, for the sake of it is not just inherently good. Do I think gender dysphoria is a mental illness? Absolutely not. It's hmm. really important to remember that the trans experience is not a monolith, that just because 
Buck has his opinion about what it is, that doesn't mean that that needs to be put on me, nor we need to deem that the entire experience. And anything I say as well, too, that go, it's, it goes both ways. I think for me, uh, when it comes to gender dysphoria, a lot of us have struggled so much with our identity and being able to freely live who we are and depending on where you live geographically you may not have access to be able to align that to to be able to fix that so for me I think it was a big process where you know um I lived um like in Mississippi where I live they called it gender identity disorder so that Mm. used to make me cringe Mm. more than anything being you know going to the doctor and, you know, getting treated for other stuff and then having this gender identity disorder on my paperwork, it was just so, it felt very detrimental to my health. And so the reality of it is gender dysphoria. I, 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 That's a you problem, baby. Could you, Blossom, could you possibly understand the possibility that it's actually empowering for people to be able to understand what they're going through and to be able to understand that it is a disorder. Because for me, that was very important in my journey to fixing my issues and living a life as full as can be. Because I had to identify something was wrong with me in order to fix it. So your fear of attaching gender dysphoria to the phrase disorder is strictly emotional. It doesn't really matter how you feel about it. And you're stripping other people of their right to identify their issues because you don't want your feelings hurt. And you are inherently adding that stigma by doing that. It's gender dysphoria. I I, I cannot put it in the category of mental of ill. I'm sorry. I cannot put that in the category Mm -hmm. of mental illness because I think mental illness in itself is already stigmatized so much. Hmm. Um, So are we not going to put schizophrenia, depression, any other mental health issue in the category of a mental health issue because it's stigmatized? This is the stupidest argument to me. And it's crazy how common of an argument it is. We're not gonna call gender dysphoria a mental disorder because it's stigmatized. So work on the stigma. Like what? It's like saying, we're not gonna put tigers in the category of predator because that's stigmatized. So then someone walks up to a tiger and then gets eaten. How is that helping that person? Like, are you, I'm trying to be nice in this one. Hmm. Um, That putting gender dysphoria there and aligning it with trans and non-binary folks because I also want to bring my non-binary siblings into this. Interesting. I hate when they do the sibling thing. As if Blossom is my sister because what, we both got breast implants? I I don't understand. Like no one is my sibling because they're also trans or also in the LGBT. It's like, I don't know. That's just me being petty, but like, I just, I hate that pet peeve. Interesting. You know, I think we really need to re-unpack that to really get down to the nitty gritty of it. But I don't think gender dysphoria is a mental illness. It's interesting. The nitty gritty of it is that gender dysphoria is a mental disorder. Sorry, that's the nitty gritty. Like, I'm sorry. Before I transitioned, my gender dysphoria was so debilitating mentally that I was not able to leave the house. I had a boyfriend at the time who I couldn't go with him to the grocery store without having a panic attack. I couldn't go out in public. I couldn't. 
that is, if there is something going on in your brain that is limiting your ability to live life, that is a disorder, baby. And it's okay. You don't have to stigmatize. You don't have to partake in anyone making that out to be a negative thing. Take the power back. Why are you giving them that power? So they decided it's a stigma. So you're just going to take that on and be like, okay, you're right. I won't. I won't. No. Interesting because I think a lot of the reason why maybe trans people in particular or people who identify with the progressive left would say, I don't think it's a disorder is because mental health has been stigmatized because we view the word disorder as something that is inherently negative, where a disorder is not necessarily inherently negative. It's just something that we deal with. And if if I was waking up every day, uh, which I will say, luckily, I do not feeling discomfort in my body and looking in the mirror and going, this is not what I like. This is not who I am. I would feel disordered. Now, that does not have to be something that is negative or is stigmatized, but because we have stigmatized mental health. Yes. uh, Which. Right. And you're taking away people's ability to figure out who they are. That's that's really all I have to say about that. I I hate that conversation. It is so dumb. You know what's crazy? It's like I've officially been on YouTube long enough that when I started my channel, it was listed as a mental disorder in the DSM-5. And then activists got, you know, a hold of it. And now it's not. But it's like that doesn't actually change it. So I just, I can't. Kanye West (laughs) named anti-semi of the year by um, the Jerusalem Post. I mean, is there anyone who deserves it more? I don't understand. It's like (laughs) one of the problems with like being late on the podcast this week and not coming last week because I didn't get to talk about all the Kanye stuff, which in my last main channel video, I said I would. Uh, My take on it is that Kanye is severely mentally ill. Uh, and especially talking about his appearance on InfoWars with Alex Jones and then he went on Gavin McInnes and um, he further elaborated that he does not look at Jewish people as individuals, that he does not give them a clean slate when he meets them, that he sees them all as inherently bad. Um, that is flat out objective definition of what anti-Semitic behavior is. I don't understand. Actually, I do understand I'm lying. I was going to say, I don't understand why so many people, and by so many people, I mean like more than I would have thought people on the right are attempting to give this a pass, um, because the right is not immune to being captured by celebrity. And it is so rare that we have a celebrity saying things we agree with, not saying the anti-Semitic shit, but other right-wing talking points that he's been putting out there. It's so rare that we have a celebrity that comes along that's willing to agree with us, that everyone jumps at it, everyone's frothing at the mouth. Oh my God, we have Kanye saying things we agree with, that now that he's going this far, I've seen some people, not not most or not even a lot, but you know, some right-wing commentators like toying with the idea of, well, what he really means is, you know, just love everyone. What he really, stop. How can he be sitting here saying that the real message of why he's praising Hitler is that you have to just love everyone, including Hitler, when he's also saying he doesn't give Jewish people a blank slate when he meets them? That's not Christ-like. That's not love. I don't understand. And then you have Kim Kardashian, who is reevaluating her relationship with Balenciaga while at least admitting that it was disgusting what they did. And everyone on the right was jumping on an F Kim train and saying, you know, F Kim, you know, my tweet condemning um, Kim Kardashian went semi-viral and everyone on the right was like very anti-Kim, but then Kanye West, where's Balenciaga? (laughs) Defends Balenciaga and everyone's like, well, what he really means is love everyone. Calm down. If he meant love everyone, he wouldn't have said he doesn't give Jewish people a blank slate when he meets them. He's on some hateful bullshit 
And if you can't just say that, I don't know what's wrong with you. I, I really don't. I mean, I mean, it's the easiest thing in the world to just be like, yeah, he's being anti-Semitic. It really is that simple. I, I, I don't understand. I, I can't even give that any more oxygen. It's like ridiculous. Tim Pool dodged a bullet by Kanye walking out when he did. Also, God forbid you accidentally forget that Kanye changed his name to Ye and you say Kanye instead of Ye and they'll jump at you, right wingers, just like, you know, they call Caitlin Bruce. The same right wingers that will refuse to call, you know, Caitlin, Caitlin, and like, no, it's Bruce Jenner always to me. They sure as fuck jumped on the it's yay to me train. And I'm, I'm wrong if I accidentally call Kanye Kanye because he legally changed his name. So did Caitlyn. Let's not act like fucking, let's not act like effing libs, please. My God. It, it just, it's a lot. It's a lot. DeSantis to investigate COVID vaccine related injuries. Yet another reason why I'm, I'm not gonna say in love with DeSantis, but like I, I ride hard for DeSantis because you have Trump, the vaccine salesman, who's done nothing post-presidency but try to sell the vaccine to more people. And you have DeSantis actually doing the work being like, okay, this is hurting some people and we're not gonna give in to the incredible stigma against speaking out on it. And we're actually just going to look into it and figure out what's going on and no vax mandates in, in Florida. This is what I am voting on when it, if DeSantis is on the ticket, this is what I'm, this is what, how DeSantis is handling COVID and has handled COVID is enough for me. Like there has been no greater threat to freedom in my lifetime from what I can see. And I know there's still a two in front of my age than what happened post COVID and during COVID. And DeSantis is the only person who stood up to it as much as he has. So to me, I'm sold on DeSantis, period. My God, oh God, this one. Non-binary Biden official no longer employed in administration following alleged suitcase thefts. We talked about this in the last podcast. And at that point, Sam Brinton had stolen one suitcase from an airport. And we went in about how you have to be so insane to steal from an airport. Way crazier than just being a, re a regular kleptomaniac because Anyone who's willing to commit a crime at an airport is 10 times crazier than anyone who's willing to commit a crime anywhere else because the punishment is 10 times harder. It's like, you're never getting away. There's zero chance of getting away with it at an airport. And if this person, Sam Brenton was caught twice, they've done it like a hundred times. Like it is insane. And it's insane that it took two times being caught for the Biden administration to be like, all right, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta peace out with Sam Brinton. Why twice? You would think getting, you know, a felony charge the first time would be enough, but I guess not. This is why you don't do diversity hires, hunties. Because, by the way, oh my God, story time. Uh, my best friend J.C. Monduix, who was just in town, actually was in the same frat as Sam Brinton. Sam Brinton was in a fraternity. <laughs> Which, first of all, is funny on its own. JC was in the same frat as Sam, and Sam would throw high heel parties, like throw parties trying to get like the frat brothers to wear heels at these parties and like dress up. 
total effing weirdo. Like how someone like that ends up in the White House is beyond me, like beyond. And can we just speculate like, what exactly was Sam doing with the clothes? Like you're stealing women's suitcases, specifically women's suitcases. Is part of this what you're getting off on, like wearing the clothes that you find in the suitcases from the women you're stealing from? And why did you ever think you'd get away with it at an airport where everything is on camera? Absolutely insane. And this person ended up on the nuclear waste, like what's even the title? Nuclear energy department, like. This is the administration of diversity hires. Kamala Harris herself was a diversity hire. I'm not saying that to be offensive. I'm saying that to be objectively accurate because Joe Biden said he was gonna hire a black woman as a VP. He guaranteed that and then you got Kamala. Not based on credentials. The person that's a heartbeat away from the presidency was a, diver a diversity hire. And look how the other diversity hires in the administration are going. Insane in the effing membrane, like I just can't. We really need help. Ugh. The next story gets worse somehow. US Army investigates incidents of soldiers posing in uniform with fetish gear. Now, if you've been on Twitter, you may have seen these dudes wearing dog masks in uniform, one on the left appears to be taking like an official photo from like in the military. Like, <laughs> I didn't think these were real at first. I really didn't. I mean, they, they are real though. What's crazy to me is I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, that like dress code in the military is so extreme that like men can't have their hair past a certain like square centimeter length, like Women can't be wearing any makeup. Like I thought it was strict as hell. And then you have dudes posing in fetish gear in like official like military photos. Like maybe the United States is just over. Like I've seen Tim Poole tweet about how the US is over and we're just pretending like it's not. Like maybe things have just been done. Maybe it's been a wrap for society and we're just pretending like it's not. Because if we're at the point where this is our military, it's a wrap. It's been a wrap. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. So on Monday, the U.S. Army announced to be looking into photographs of men in military guards voting dog masks and bondage gear. The behavior depicted in the images, some of which surfaced on social media over the past few days, has come under intense scrutiny with many calling for those involved to face repercussions. According to USA Today, Army spokesman Maj Jonathan Lewis, sorry, uh, major, yeah, major. See, I, I don't know anything about the military. Said in a statement that the army was aware of content found on social media reflecting soldiers' activities while wearing uniforms. The incident is currently under investigation. Can someone explain to me, like, I'm not trying to be offensive here because y'all know I'm pro-gay, I'm pro-gay marriage, like all my best friends in life are gay. I don't understand the like dog mask in the gay community thing. And I know it's fringe. I know it's not all or even most of gay men that are into this, but like, can someone in the comments just explain to me what it is? Like, I know it's some kind of fetish, but like, what is the appeal there? Cause like, 
A lot of fetishes, even if I don't understand them, I can get behind the eyeline of someone who does, right? We don't gotta be too graphic here. But certain things, it's like, I am not into it, but I understand how people can, can be into it. What is this? Because I don't think it's bestiality, but like, I'm also not confident that it's not. So someone please help me understand that. And, 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 and let's just be real here. The long and short of it is, it's been a wrap. I love you guys. Just like it's a wrap for America, it's a wrap from this podcast. Please rate this Spotify podcast five stars on the Spotify app. It helps me out so much more than you know. And we have so many ratings on there for a show of this age and I wanna keep it going. Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Follow my main channel for my main channel content. Subscribe to this podcast and stay tuned for clips from this podcast also going live this week on this channel. I love you guys. See you next time. Mwah.